Chapter sixty two of The Wanderer or Female Difficulties. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kirsten Nelson. The Wanderer or Female Difficulties by Fanny Burney. Chapter sixty two. Juliet re entered her chamber without having been missed, but in a perturbation of mind indescribable affrighted confused overpowered with various and varying sensations wretched for elinor dissatisfied with herself and yet more at war with what seemed to be her destiny ejaculating from time to time o oh, gabriella receive console strengthen and direct your terrified bewildered friend unusual sounds from the hall soon announced some disturbance but wholly without courage to go forth upon any inquiry she remained in trembling ignorance of what was passing till she was relieved by a visit from selina which gave her the extreme satisfaction of hearing that elinor was actually in the house grief however though unmixed with surprise followed the information when she heard also that elinor was in so disordered a state that she had been forced from the church only by the interference of mr naird for whom mr harley had sent and who had positively told her that if she would not submit to be conveyed to some house and try to repose he should hold it in his duty to send for proper persons to control and take care of her as one unfit to be trusted to herself even then though evidently startled she would not consent to go back to Lewes, which she had quitted she loudly declared for ever but after wildly inquiring for ellis and being assured that she was returned to mrs ireton's she was at length wrought upon to accept an invitation which through measures that were taken by the act of harley mrs ireton had been prevailed with to send to her and which included her sister and mrs maple what else of the history of this transaction was known to selina was speedily revealed the whole house of mrs maple had been awakened at daylight by the foreign servant of elinor who came to bid tomlinson call up mrs maple and acquaint her that he believed that her niece was determined to make away with herself she had found means he said overnight to induce the clerk of the church at brighthelmstone to let her have the key of the church to begin a drawing of one of the monuments at sunrise when no idle loungers would interrupt her and the clerk knowing her for a lady of property and fashion in the neighbourhood had not had the thought to refuse her she had made him the lackey come for her at mrs maple's with a post-chaise and wait near the house at three in the morning she and mrs golding then got into it while he attended as usual on horseback they stopped at a place by the way to receive a heap of things that he did not take much notice of as it was not well light and then they all galloped to brighthelmstone he thought no harm all the time, as his lady so often went about oddly, nobody knowing why. She made the chaise stop at the churchyard, and told him and Golding to help up with all the things into the church. She then said she was going to begin her drawing, and bid the postilion wait at some inn till she went for him. But she told the lackey to stay in the churchyard. She and Golding were then shut up together a quarter of an hour, when Golding came out crying. Her lady, she said, had put a white-trimmed stuff dress over her clothes, that made her look as if she were buried alive and just the same as a ghost and she was afraid all was not right for she had made her help to place what she had called a pallet for her drawing upon the altar-table and it looked just like a coffin only it was covered over with paper she had ordered that they should both go to an inn and return for her with the chaise at eight o'clock neither of them knew what to make of all this but so many out-of-the-way things had passed and nothing had come of them that still they should have done only as they were bid but that the lackey relected two loaded pistols which his lady had made him charge upon the route to frighten away robbers by firing one of them off she said if they saw any suspicious persons dodging them 
and these, which had been put carefully into the chaise, Golding had seen, in the hand of her mistress in the church. This gave him such a panic that he thought it safest to ride back to Madame Maple's and tell the whole at once. All the family, upon this alarming news, set out for Brighthelmstone the moment that the horses could be got ready, and just as they arrived at the church, Eleanor herself had appeared, bursting from it into the porch. Her indignation at thus being followed and detected had been terrible. Who, she asked, had any right to control her? But that was nothing to her disturbance, when she found that Ellis had vanished. She grew so agitated that it was frightful, Selina continued, to see her, and looked frantically about her, as if for means to destroy herself and nothing could urge her to quit the church or churchyard, whence she eagerly tried to command away all the others, till Mr. Harley had recourse to Mr. Naird, who had alarmed her into submission. They had then brought her in a chaise between Mrs. Maple and the surgeon to Mrs. Ireton's, where, to hide herself, she said, from light and life, she had gloomily consented to go to bed. But she raved, sighed, groaned, started, and was in a state of shame and despair the most deplorable. Juliet heard this narration with equal pity and terror, but no sooner understood that Mrs. Maple had entreated Mr. Harley to remain at Brighthelmstone for a day or two than she determined to quit the place herself, persuaded that these bloody enterprises were always reserved for their joint presence. The nearly exhausted Eleanor passed the rest of the day without effort, without speech, and almost without sign of life. But early on the following morning Juliet received from her a hasty summons. Juliet essayed by every means that she could devise to avoid obeying it, but every effort of resistance was ineffectual. By compulsion, therefore, and slowly she mounted the stairs, secretly determining that, should Harley also be called upon, she would seize the first instant in which she could elude observation to escape, not alone from the room, nor from the house, but from Brighthelmstone, whence she would set off by the quickest conveyance that she could find for London and Gabriella. Eleanor, muffled up, and looking pale, haggard, and altered, was reclining upon a sofa, not in compliance with the request of her friends, but from an indispensable necessity of repose, after the violent exertions which had recently shaken her already weakened frame. At the entrance of Juliet she lifted up her head, with an air of eager satisfaction, and exclaimed, "'You are really, then, here, and you come at length to my call? Harley is less courteous, triumphant Harley. He leaves me, he says, to take some rest. Rest?' She paused, and her underlip shewed her contempt of the idea, and presently, with a sarcastic smile, she added, "'Yes, yes, I shall certainly take rest. I mean no less. He, too, will take some rest. There, at least, ultimately, our destinies will approximate. And you, even you, victorious Ellis, will sink to vapid rest, like those who have never known happiness.' With a laugh, then, but expressive of scorn, not gaiety, she exclaimed, "'And I, too, preaching?' Can we never be tired and good for nothing, but we must take to moralizing? Summon him, however, Ellis, yourself. Tell him to come without delay. I am sick, and he is sick, and you are sick. We are all round sick of this loathsome procrastination. Alert to seize any pretense to be gone, Juliet was already at the door, when Eleanor, suddenly seeming to penetrate into her intentions, called her back, and demanded a solemn promise that she would not fail to return with Harley. To the quick perceptions of Eleanor, hesitation was alarm. She no sooner therefore observed it than she peremptorily ordered Selina and Mrs. Golding out of the room, and then, yet more positively, commanded Juliet to approach the sofa. "'I see,' she cried, "'your collusion. You imagine, by coming to me alternately, that you shall keep me in order? You conclude that I only present myself a bull and a dagger, like a tragedy queen, to have them dashed from my hands, that I may be ready for a similar exhibition another day? And can Harley, the noble Harley, judge me thus pitifully? No, no!' 
full of great and expansive ideas himself, he can better comprehend the exaltation of which a high, uncurbed, independent spirit is capable. But little minds deem all that is not common, all that has not been practised from father to son, and from generation to generation, to be a trick or to be impossible. You, Ellis, and such as you who act always by rule, who never utter a word of which you have not weighed the consequence, never indulge a wish of you have not canvassed the effects, who listen to no generous feeling, who shrink from every liberal impulse, who know nothing of nature and care for nothing but opinion, you and such as you, tame animals of custom, wearied and wearying plodders on beaten tracks, may conclude me a mere vaporing impostor, and believe it is as safe to brave as to despise me, you, Ellis, but no. She stopped, and her look and manner suddenly lost their fierceness as she added, Oh, no, you, you are not of that caste. Harley can only admire what alone is admirable. He would soon see through littleness or hypocrisy. You must be good and great at once, eminently good, unaffectedly great. Or how could Harley, the punctilious, discriminating Harley, adore you? Oh, I have known and secretly appreciated you long, though I have been too little myself to acknowledge it. I have not been calm enough perhaps not blind enough for justice. For if I saw your beauty less clearly, oh, happy Ellis, how do I admire, envy, revere, and hate you! Shocked, yet filled with pity, Juliet would have sought to deprecate her enmity, and soften her feelings, but her fiery eye shewed that any attempt at offering her consolation would be regarded as insult. I disdain, she cried, all expedient, all pretense. However the abortion of my purpose may have made me appear a mere female mountebank, I have meant all that I have seemed to mean, though by waiting for the moment of most éclat, opportunity has been passed by, and action has been frustrated. But I can die only once. That over, all is ended. Tis therefore I have studied how to finish my career with most effect. Let Harley, however, beware how he doubt my sincerity. Doubt from him would drive me mad indeed. To the torpid formalities of everyday customs, the drowsy thoughts of everyday thinkers, he may believe me insensible, and I shall thank him. But, indifferent to my own principles of honour, lost to my own definitions of pride, of shame, of heroism, oh, if he touch me there, if he can judge of me so degradingly, my senses will still go before my life. She held her forehead with a look of fearful pain, but soon recovering, laughed, and said, There are fools I know in the world who suppose me mad already, only because I go my own way while they, poor cowards, yoked one to another, always follow the path of their forefathers, without even venturing to mend the road, however it may have been broken up by time, accident, or mischief. I have full as much contempt of their imbecility as they can have of my insanity. But hear me, Ellis, approach and mark me. I must have a conference with Harley. You must be present, a last conference. Whatever be its event, I have bound myself to Eleanor Jodrell never to demand another." but do not therefore imagine my life or death to be in your power. No, my resolution is taken. Take yours. Let the interview which I demand pass quietly in this room, or be responsible for the consequences of the public desperation to which I may be urged. Gloomily she then added, Harley has refused to come. I will send him word that you are here. Will he still refuse? Juliet blushed, but could not answer. Eleanor paused a moment, and then said, If he knows that he can see you elsewhere, he will be firm. If not, he will return with my messenger. By that I can judge the present state of your connection. She rang the bell, and told Mrs. Golding to go instantly to Mr. Harley, and acquaint him that Eleanor Jodrell and Miss Ellis desired to speak with him immediately. Vainly Juliet remonstrated against the strange appearance of such a message, not only to himself, but to the family in the world. "'Appearance?' she cried. "'After what I have done, what I have dared, 
have i any terms to keep with the world with appearances miserable contemptible servile appearances to which sense happiness and feeling are for ever to be sacrificed and what will the world do in return how recompense the victims to its arbitrary prejudices by letting them quickly sink into nothing by suffering them to die with as little notice and distinction as they have lived and with as little choice mrs golding returned bringing the respects of mr harley but saying that he was forced by an indispensable engagement to refuse himself the honour of waiting upon miss jadrell run to him again cried eleanor with vehemence run or he will be gone make him enter the first empty room and tell him tis miss ellis alone who desires to speak with him fly yet more earnestly now juliet would have interfered but the peremptory eleanor insisted upon immediate obedience if still she cried he come not i shall conclude you to be already married she laughed yet wore a face of horror at this idea and spoke no more till mrs golding returned with intelligence that mr harley was waiting in the parlour the bosom of juliet now swelled and heaved high with tumultuous distress and alarm and her cheeks were dyed with the crimson tint of conscious shame while eleanor turning pale dropped her head upon the pillow of the sofa and sighed deeply for a moment in silence recovering then this at least she said is explicit let it be final your influence is not disguised use it ellis to snatch me from the deplorable buffoonery of running about the world not like death after the lady but the lady after death assure yourself that you will never devise any stratagem that will turn me from my purpose though you may render ridiculous in its execution what in its conception was sublime happiness such as yours ellis ought to be above all narrow malignity you ought to be proud ellis voluntarily to serve her whom involuntarily you have ruined juliet was beginning some protestations of kindness but eleanor interrupting her said i can give credit only to action i must have a conference but it is not to talk of myself nor of you nor even of harley no the soft moment of indulgence to my feelings is at an end when i allowed my heart that delicious expansion when i abandoned it to nature and permitted it those open effusions of tenderness i thought my dissolution at hand and meant but to snatch a few last precious minutes of ecstasy from everlasting annihilation but these endless delays these eternal procrastinations make me appear so unmeaning an idiot even to myself that for the remnant of my doleful ditty i must resist every natural wish and plod on till i plod off with the stiff and stupid decorum of a starched old maid of half a century procure me however this definitive conference it is upon no point of the old story i promise you you cannot be more tired of that than i am ashamed tis simply an earnest curiosity to know the pure unadulterate thoughts of harley upon death and immortality i have applied to him fruitlessly myself he inexorably refuses me to some old canonicals without considering that it is vain to ask for guides to shew us a road before we are convinced or at least persuaded that it will lead us to some given spot let him but make clear that tis his own opinion that death does not sink us to nothing let him but satisfy me that he does not turn me over to others only because he thinks as i think himself and has not the courage to avow it and then in return i may suffer him to send to me some one of his black robe tribe to harangue me about here and hereafter all contestation on the part of juliet was but irritating she was forced upon her commission and compelled solemnly to promise that she would return with harley and be present at the conference End of chapter sixty two recording by kirsten nelson